1 Corinthians 15, we continue our study. We may make it all the way through 1 Corinthians 15 tonight. It seems like we've been here for quite some time, but I anticipated we would be here for a while because it's uh, the longest verses, the longest chapter with the longest verses in 1 Corinthians, but it's also the, the most exciting content in uh and I think, and, and this is something that we go to on a regular basis. I just love 1 Corinthians 15. And so we'll see how far we get tonight. 1 Corinthians 15, begin reading with me in verse number 35. But some men will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quicken except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain, it may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies... And bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial are one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not the first which is spiritual... But that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such as they are also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality, so then this, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Man, what powerful verses these are. Particularly these latter verses when we begin talking about verses 51 through 58. And, and oftentimes it uh, 
gravesite service and at a, of a believer. And I'll turn to these passages and read these very words. But and so there's such an encouraging thing here and such a blessing and a help to us. But Paul is in before we get to there in verses 35 and following. Paul is still dealing with this the the matter of the resurrection. And so tonight I want us to think about some of the things that Paul is dealing with. And I want us to allow the Bible uh, to tell us something about our resurrection bodies. Allow the Bible to tell us something about our resurrection bodies. Um, you ever thought about it? What kind of body are you going to have? What, what it may be like? What kind of body will I have? You know, will it be like the one I have now? Some of you are saying, oh, I hope not. <laughs> you know, I hope not. Uh, uh, Will I have these warts? No, I don't think so, you know. Uh, will my hair be eternally fixed? Uh, you know, uh, some of you ladies, that'd be a good question to ask. Will I have to do this again? Um, will Brother Godfrey get, will he, will he have a full black head of hair? What would all this look like? I don't know. Uh, will I need makeup? <laughs> will I have to do all this stuff? Um, you know, maybe some questions we have. If a baby dies at... If a baby dies at the resurrection, will he or that baby, will they be raised a child? Will they always remain a child throughout all of eternity? Or will they be an adult? If an elderly person dies, um, will they be resurrected as a young person? At what age? How will this fit? What's this going to look like? Uh, will they go back to their 20s, their 30s? Um, I know, will my family members know me? You know, it's a good question. Will we know each other? Will our family members know our family? These kinds of things. What kind of features will I have? Will I finally be able to sing? Uh, will I be able to pick up the instrument and play the instrument that I'd wish that and get frustrated when I watch other people do it? Um, all these are answers or questions, and I'll be honest with you, I don't have the answers. The Bible doesn't give us the answers to these kind of things. And, you know, we can come to these kind of matters and, and I say the Bible, it gives us some indications. But to be specific, I, I don't know. We want to be careful that we don't say what the Bible does not say. That we try to be speculative and we want to let the Bible speak for itself. Where the Bible is silent, we need to be silent as well. Uh, but there are some things that we can learn with regards to our heavenly bodies. And Paul deals with it here. For sure, the Bible is not completely silent on the resurrection of the dead. There will be a resurrection of the dead. The Bible is not silent on that matter, nor should we be. And we should preach and teach that Bible truth. There is a resurrection that awaits it really is a resurrection that awaits everybody to the saint, to heaven, to the sinner. Never trusted Jesus Christ, that great white throne judgment. The resurrection to eternal damnation. And so there will be a resurrection for every single individual. Not at the same time, but at different periods of time. The Bible clearly teaches, it clearly teaches a bodily resurrection. A bodily resurrection. Um, and because Christ came up out of the grave, all saints born again in Christ too will come up out of the grave. It's clear Bible teaching. So all those who have died in Christ will live again, will come up out of the grave. 
at death, they do not, there is no such thing as soul sleep, but I'm talking about a body. At death, you continue to live. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So it's not a, a, a ceasing and in a, a, a re-catching or rekindling of life. Life goes on. But what about this body that we have? What about this body? And all those who have died in Christ will rise again because Christ did. All those who will die in Christ, born again, will rise again, just as Jesus rose. Look with me back at verse 22 and 23. For as in Adam all died, Adam being that representative of the human race, our all-father, we, are, we got what Adam had. We have the same features that Adam had, mainly that sinful nature. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. There it is. In Christ shall all be made alive, but every man in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, he came first. Remember we talked about when we were looking at the passage. They would go out and bring in the first fruits, the, uh, uh, the gathering of the crops, and bring them in. Christ is that first fruit afterward. They that are Christ's at his coming. The resurrection at that point. The resurrection of the saints. And Paul confirms the resurrection of Christ. He talks about this resurrection. If you we go back to verses 3 and 4. And I won't take time to read those. But he confirms the resurrection by way of the scriptures. The scriptures teach a resurrection. He was buried according to the scriptures. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. If he had not done that, then we just need to throw this Bible away because it has, it's, not, it's not truthful. But the scriptures taught it. It is truthful because Christ did come up out of that grave. And so it's the witness of the scriptures. You look at verse number 6, and there's the witness of those who saw him. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. And he says, eventually, even I, Paul says, saw him. There's the witness that I witness. Eyewitness is a pretty good, a pretty good proof. I saw it. I, I saw him. I, I, I handled him. I, I, I heard him speak. And on and on it goes. And Paul, then, as he's talking about these things... He answers the ridiculous notions of some who are saying that Christ didn't rise. Even though he just gave these proofs, he begins to answer some that say a resurrection does not exist. Look back in verse number 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? So even though it's preached, even though there's proof, some are saying it. There's no resurrection. To be dead is to be dead. That's all. It just ends. It ends life. ends everything. So Paul answers that with even more proofs. And in verses 13 through 34, if you remember, Paul gives evidence after evidence, proof after proof of the resurrection. He goes on and on in these, to give these proofs. And he picks it up again. We noted a couple weeks ago. Why would I... Uh, if after the manner of men, verse 32, fought with beasts of Ephesus, what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us just eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. 
If there's no resurrection, why in the world would I put my life at jeopardy? Why in the world would I go through these hardships of life to spread the gospel? Why would I put my life on the line on a regular basis if there's no resurrection? Let's just all forget it and eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow, it's, we die and it's all over with. We might as well live as hard and as fast as we can until the end. But Paul says, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Paul says, I do what I do and I serve who I serve because of the resurrection. Because he lives, I too shall live. He is my hope. Jesus Christ certainly is that hope. And again in verse number 35, he answers the question of verse number 12 about some are saying there is no resurrection. And he picks up another question out of verse number 35. We read it tonight. But some men will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? He answers the first question with the proofs. And now he answers the second question. He answers the question again of the resurrection deniers. Some will say, that they're saying this in opposition. Either some have said it audibly or some is, some, Paul is anticipating their objections to a resurrection. Uh, so they're asking the question from, a, from an oppositional standpoint. Um, they, they're not asking this kind of question from a position of to learn or to want to know how it's going to happen. The question is asked from a position of it's impossible for it to happen. They don't want to know. They're just making their point. Okay, if there's going to be a resurrection with what body and how's it going to happen? And so Paul in verse number 36, in the verses that we read tonight, uses, he uses, let me just say it this way, great tact and great clarity in response to the question. I like the way he says it. He starts out his response. Notice verse number 36. Notice the tact and clarity. Thou fool. <laughs> well, what kind of preaching is that? You know, a preacher gets up and says, looks out at his crowd and says, you bunch of fools. That seems to me like that's what Paul was just really just blurting out right here. He calls them a bunch of fools for asking such a ridiculous question. Uh, if you look up the word fool in Strong's or in Thayer's dictionary, their definition, they'll say, it's without reason. It's mindless, ignorant. Now, I know we aren't supposed to say this particular word around the children, but they used it, so I'll use it tonight. They're stupid. That's what it means. How full? What are you, 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 are you not thinking at all? Completely ignorant on this matter? Old proverb says, don't approach a goat from the front and a horse from the back or a fool from any side. Maybe that's true. John Wesley said, there are two fools all over the world. One person believes everything and another believing nothing. There are no fools who believe the word of God. No fools who believe the word of God. But there are fools who know the word of God and reject the word of God and disobey the word of God. That, my dear friend, is stupidity. To know it, to hear it, and to reject it, that is a fool, biblically speaking. 
So in the question that he addresses out of verse number 35, really it's a two-part, how are the dead raised up? And what kind of bodies will they have? What, with what kind of bodies will they be raised? Now, the position of the deniers is the dead can't raise. They will not rise. They're dead. It's all over with. Paul says, thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. So their argument is that it's dead, it's dead, it's dead, dead. Can't get any deader than dead. Paul says, you don't understand. In order to have life, there must be death. The word quicken is to be made alive, to give life. The fool says there can be no life after death. And Paul comes back and he says, there is no life until there is death. In verses 37 and 38. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that the body shall be. But bare grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it pleaseth him. And to every seed his own body. So Paul's point out of verse number 37 and 38 is this. And he uses nature to demonstrate To the fools who deny resurrection, he uses nature to validate. The validation seen in nature. The validation seen in nature. Paul sets forth the evidence for resurrection after death in the most undeniable way possible. It's so clear that nobody could really miss it. I was in the yard last night planting some things and and, and I came across... I guess this is an acorn little seed. And out of it was growing a green plant. That was quite interesting. I said, man, that's a great illustration right there. Pulled this one up this evening. Well, I saw in the wind blowing the other day. Went across my neighbor's yard. He's got these maple trees. And they're blowing these little things. You get the, We call them twirly jigs. We as kids, we just throw them up and, and try to catch them. You did that? We, they're everywhere. Well, then I started looking around. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And this thing is coming up out of the ground. You see, there's life that comes out of death. There's life. And he uses an illustration by way of nature. And he says, it's so, it's so clear, you'd have to be a fool to miss it. Resurrection follows after death. I love springtime. Don't you? Some of you mentioned, I love springtime. And I love just to get out and get and play in the dirt a little bit. I, I, and I, I'm finding... That that's a bit of a release, and I enjoy doing that kind of thing. And I, I enjoy, I, I go out there, and some of, I've heard you, some people say, well, you go out there and talk to the plants. I, I got a couple of those that I may be doing that too. You know, I go out there every day and say, man, look at this leaf. There's a leaf coming. This is so cool. And, 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 and I don't know, it's enjoyable to me. I like, I got these hostas coming up out of the ground, and I go out there every day and say, okay, they're coming up a little more, and I'm watching them digging around. Why hasn't that one come up? So I'm kind of just playing around, and I'm enjoying it. I like the springtime. New life um, is coming forth. The farmer plants his fields. The gardener plants his garden, and the flower, the, the flower lover, they plant the seeds in their places. Now they're planting these seeds. The farmer sows seed. He sows seed. Not particularly this. But 
These little packets of seed, you see them everywhere. Uh, the seed is not the green plant that comes forth. When a seed is planted, is placed in the ground, it dies. It begins to decompose, and as it does, new life emerges. This is amazing. It's, it's seen in nature, Paul says. It's so clear to be seen. Verse number 37, the seed is not the body that will be sown, nor that will soon come forth, but the seed is that kernel. It may be in some form or fashion, a weed or whatever that is. So you put a seed in the ground, but you're hoping to get this green thing a little bit later. And that's what comes up out of that. So the seed is not what's sown, but germination takes over. And the process causes the seed to decay. And the decaying seed sends forth new life in the form of growing plants. Listen to John chapter 12 and verse number 24. Let me read you the verse. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Wow, what an amazing thing this is. Verse number 38, But God giveth it a body as it pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Man can sow the seed, but it's God that gives the body. And that's the point Paul is making. As it pleased him. God's in control of this. God's the one that's doing it. We can sow the seed, but God gives the increase. God gives it a body. A body out of death. What kind of body are we going to have? How's this going to happen? And Paul says, you fool, look at the nature. See how it happens in nature. God is in control of the whole process, not man. Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Uh, let's, let's read that verse. Genesis 1, 11 and 12. Let me find that for you. You don't have to turn there. I'll try to re read it for you. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw, or excuse me, and God saw rather, yes, God saw that it was good. So he says, look at nature, and you'll see it there. Look at the nature, and, you'll, and when that seed dies, it brings forth new life. Life comes from the decaying of things, seeds, as we've mentioned. The seed changes from a tiny seed to a ten-foot stalk. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. From a tiny seed to a stalk and even bigger than that, a tree, an oak tree. It starts out with this little decaying seed. But even though a change occurs, there's an identity that remains. Even though a change occurs, there's an identity that still remains. If you plant a maple, you'll not get a pine tree. If you, you, this is common sense. We know it remains, the identity remains. It started out here in a little seed, but now it's a, it's a green plant. It grows. It's, it's, it's something that, that uh, we get fruit from. 
It's completely different, but yet still remains the identity of what it was in the, in, in the beginning. The same thing with our bodies, our resurrection bodies. It, the body's going to be different, but there'll be the identity there. There'll be the, 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 the identity of individuality will remain within those resurrected bodies. Corn produces corn, not oak trees. There's a change that takes place. But again, the identity remains the same. The deniers are asking how and what. And Paul points to nature and says it's been happening since the Garden of Eden. And it's still going on today. How and what? Just take a look at nature. It's been this way from the very beginning. So he says, first of all, he uses the argument of the validation seen in nature. But secondly... The variety seen in creation. The variety seen in creation. Verses 39 through 41. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men. Another flesh of beasts. Another of fishes. And another of birds. There are celestial bodies. Terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one. And the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun. Another glory of the moon. And another glory of the stars. For one star is from another star in glory. So he says, what kind of body and how is it going to happen? There's a validation seen in nature. There's a variety seen in creation. All flesh is not the same flesh. That's what he says out of verse number 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. One kind of flesh of men, one of beasts, one of fish, one of birds and so on. Heavenly bodies, earthly bodies. They are all different. All different. Now it's estimated... Scientists estimate that there are 15 million different species on earth. And they're still discovering them all the time. 15 million. A species is anything that's a living organism. 15 million. And again, they don't know what they don't know. They're still finding them. Nobody has ever plumbed the depths of the ocean to see what really lives down there. They're still finding these kinds of things. 15 million different species on earth. 400,000 different kinds of plants. 400,000 different kinds. And then you take that the varieties within kinds. It's an amazing thing. It goes on and on. God did this. Who would have ever thought of something this amazing? God did this. 100 billion stars it's estimated in our Milky Way. 100 billion stars. And how many Milky Ways or how many galaxies are there out there? That's even unknown. But scientists again estimate that there are between 10 million and 1 trillion stars in each galaxy. Think about that. And get it, the Bible says not one of these stars are the same. Not one of these stars are the same. You got all these different plant lives. Not one of them are the same. Maybe the same family, but, but they're different in plants. Different types of plants. Different species. All different. It's estimated that there are growing, it's nearly 8 billion people on planet earth. And have you noticed? They're all different. Have you met 
your identical twin, if you met them, it's still different. There's, there's difference. God has a way of doing things like this. It just is amazing to me. And this is the argument that Paul is making. The variety seen in creation. Our resurrection bodies will be distinctively different from the bodies we now have. But at the same time, uniquely the same in identity as we are now. Completely different. But yet uniquely the same. We, we are who we are. Much will change. Surely, it's not hard to see through nature and through creation that God is able, He was able to do it back then, and He's able to do it again through us. Real bodies, but not subject to time, space, distance, not subject to limitations as we are now. This is amazing. Look at verse number 42, the very first, uh, very first phrase. So also is the resurrection of the dead. So also is the resurrection. So also what? So also there are differences. There's going to be some differences here. Variety. Uh, there's the so like the, the out of death comes new life. Just like that. So he gives the argument of the validation in nature, the variety in creation. And lastly, he gives the argument of the victory seen in Jesus. The victory seen in Jesus. Verses 42, the latter part, down through 51. Read the verses again. It is sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness. Remember the idea here. The picture of the plant. The seed going down. Decaying. Sown. Raised in glory. Sown in weakness. Raised in power. Sown a natural body. Raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. Now I'll stop right off reading there. But he mentions there's some things. The victory in Jesus. We trade an earthly body for a glorified body. We trade an earthly body for a glorified body. Sown in corruption. The idea of corruption is perishable. It's funny they talk about non-perishables. There's no such a thing. <laughs> until we get our heavenly bodies. We will be non-perishables. Until then we are perishable. Sown in corruption. Perishable. Raised in incorruption. Imperishable. Sown in dishonor. How are we sown in dishonor? Stained by sin. The stain of sin upon every single one of us. Sown in dishonor. Raised in glory. How's that? What's that? Perfection. Perfection. Sown in weakness. Limitations. Anybody got any of those? Limitations. Sown in weakness. Limitation. Raised in power. What's that? No limitations. No limitations. Sown a natural body. That's one that's suited for earthly living. You realize our bodies are suited for earthly living. But they still yet even die. Sown a natural body. But raised a spiritual body. Suited for heaven. Suited for the heavenly. 
This is an amazing thing. This is wonderful truth that we find in the passage here. We go on to read this, and because of this, the victory that's found in Jesus Christ. And then, because of this, this is why Paul can come to verse number 55 and say this. O death, where is thy sting? (laughs) The bee's there, but the stinger's taken out of it. There's nothing to hurt because of the resurrection. Where is thy sting, O grave? Where is thy victory? No, the victory is found in Jesus Christ and the resurrection. Death is not something for the believer that the believer would look at and say, Oh my, I, I hope that day never, ever, ever comes. Uh, we're looking for the rapture, and the rapture could take place at any time. But there have been throngs and throngs of people, generation after generation that have died. And if Jesus tarries long, there will be more that will die. If he tarries till in the morning, there'll be more that'll die. And all of us will die. But as believers, it has no sting. As believers, we are sown, decaying. That body goes into the grave. Sown in that perishable state, corruption, raised in incorruption, put into the ground, With that stained, dishonored body, stained with sin, raised to perfection. Put into the ground with our weaknesses. And our weaknesses are evidence because we're in the ground. We die, but raised in power. No limitations. No illness. No disease. No cancer. Nothing of these sorts. Sown in a body that's suited For this earth. But then there's new life that emerges. That's victory in Jesus. Paul says. The resurrection hope that we all have. Is because of. And we've been given. The victory that's in Jesus Christ. Verse number 57. But thanks be to God. Which giveth us the victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. But that ought to make. Every believer shout. That's exciting. If you walk out of here tonight discouraged. My word. We have nothing to be discouraged about. Because we have a hope waiting for us in glory. Isn't that good? Let's bow our hearts in prayer.